Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like the episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running. Second, if you are a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, we created an ebook for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All we charge is our admin cost to keep the show running. So, if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says get the ebook to grab yourself a copy today. So with that said, let's dive right in. Today we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have with us Brock Mogensen. Brock has been investing in real estate for over two years in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin market. He specializes in underwriting and incorporating data models for asset management. As a principal at Smart Asset Capital, the firm currently has over $8 million in assets under management, and they focus on multifamily, retail, commercial pretty much anything you can think of when it comes to real estate investing. So Brock, I am excited to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Gabe. Absolutely. We always start with stories here on the Real Estate Investing Club. So why don't you take us back to the beginning? How did you get started in real estate? Yeah, so it's been been a few years now. I started with a, uh, uh, a duplex um, and did the, the whole house, the house hack model. So nice. um, lived in one side, rented out the other. Um, and really, you know, did that, didn't really know much about, you know, my knowledge of real estate was pretty minimal at that point, just kind of, you know, always, always looked at it and kind of was like, let me, let me try this at least. And I quickly kind of learned the power of, you know, cash flow and appreciation and everything. Um, and, you know, through that time, I kind of decided, all right, let me kind of, I want to dive deeper into this. I see the power of it. So that's where I spent some time kind of learning, you know, I quickly found out there's a million different ways you can go on real estate. <laughs> So I was like, well, let me kind of pick a path and, you know, go down that path. Um, the first first path that I think a lot of people kind of gravitate towards to starting out is I tried like the wholesaling, flipping thing. Tried that for a few months, couldn't, couldn't really find a deal. Um, and then through that time, kind of came the con- uh, across the concept of syndication. Um, and then that kind of caught my, caught my attention. Saw it as a way I could kind of go after larger deals quicker. Um, and that's where I spent, right, right away, I kind of learned that, to be able to get into that space, I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. So I, I thought, let me kind of learn one piece of that, of, of, the, of the process of syndication, and I'll go out and partner with someone um, who maybe lacks that piece. The piece I chose was um, the analysis of deals underwriting. So that's where I spent the next six months or so, really just you know learning as much as I could about that piece of it. Then I went out, networked, partnered with the right people, and scaled from there. 
Man, I love that. I like that uh, you kind of had the wherewithal to understand that, you know, taking down um, something, you know, when you get into large assets, you know, so you focus on multifamily, so large multifamily assets, it really, you need a team. Um, you know, you hear these guys, they're, they're single solo uh, investors, they go out there, they buy properties, but they're usually buying the single families. Um, and when you get into these larger assets, it is difficult to do it without a team around you. So I love that you kind of, you saw that, you chose one one niche, you said, I'm going to get strong at this, at underwriting. Um, and then you kind of got other people around you to, to take the other, the other aspects of the deal. Um, so congratulations on that. That, that. That's a lot of wisdom that you employed there. Uh, and I like that you chose underwriting because I've said this multiple times on the show. Underwriting is one of the most important things you can do. Getting your due diligence right, understanding the asset before you actually dive into the asset before you close on it is so important when it comes to real estate. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about underwriting. That's your specialty. How do you go about underwriting a property? I know that's a loaded question because there's a hundred different things you have to do, but what are the main things that you look for when you're talking about multifamily? So I think it kind of starts with first having an, an idea of what your strategy is when you're coming into underwriting. So for us, you know, a lot of other, other operators are looking for value add components, you know, value add deals. So that's, you know, a lot, a lot of times, a lot of times you could tell right, right by looking at, you know, usually you're going to get an offering on random or, you know, a trailing 12 month financials. You can usually tell pretty quickly if the numbers are going to make sense and where, where there might be a value add component on the surface. Um, so that's usually the first thing is for, obviously first kind of, you're going to define your criteria, what type of deals are you looking for? And that's going to weed out, you know, 80% of the deals because they don't fall within, within your buckets you've defined. After that, you might define, all right, you know, I want to have some sort of value add component or, I don't necessarily like putting like a cap rate on deals. I think a lot of people, you know, brokers will ask what type of, you know, what, what's your cap rate, you know, minimum. And for me, it's kind of like, well, I, you know, I, I could, I could see a four cap that I think, you know, has, has a lot of potential to turn into value add. So we could end up buying that. So I kind of, I don't really like putting cap rate, you know, I think, I think it's good for certain things, but I don't like to put a, put a barrier on that. But I think really just kind of, you know, at first looking for something where you think there's value add in it. And then as soon as, you know, you see a glimpse of that, then you kind of can dive into the deeper processes of actually fully underwriting a deal, which could take, you know, several hours depending on the deal. I like it. I like it. So you guys start with your criteria, you start with your strategy and your guys' strategy is value add. Are you guys doing long-term holds or are you flipping? More longer term. Um, generally, the deals we've done have been on a five to 10 year horizon. We haven't really come across anything. I mean, that's not to say, you know, we could, some of the deals we have now in our portfolio, we could end up selling earlier than projected. Obviously, you know, anyone's ready to sell if the price is right. Um, but yeah, we, we, the approach we take at least in, you know, performa stage is um, a little bit longer term compared to maybe some other operators. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, I also like that you don't, uh, I mean, I'm sure you do care a little bit about cap rate, but um, I like that that's not the deciding factor. So many people, they'll look at a 12 cap, they'll be like, boom, I'm buying it. Uh, but then they get into uh -huh. it and it's, you know, there's no floor. It goes straight to hell down there. So um, I like that you guys look at it a little bit more holistically because even low caps, as you were talking about, even you can look at a low cap rate, maybe a four cap. Um, but if you have good value add in there that really bumps it up, it's still a deal. Uh, the cap rate is not the end all when it comes to a deal. So, um, so when it comes to value add, that's your guys' focus. What are you looking for? What are the big value add factors that really push the needle for you? I think, I think there's, you know, there's the obvious ones, right? Like low rents, um, high expenses, 
Um, those are kind of the first ones you're going to look at, right? If, if rents are below market, that, that's a real, I wouldn't say easy, but that's kind of one you can quickly evaluate and determine a strategy for. Um, there, 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 there's just so many of them, I think. I mean, you know, you can look at like adding additional fees. Like we have some, some deals where, you know, we've built in, we've built in different fees, adding vending machines and different things where you can, that might be a value add component. Um, you know, some, some the reducing expenses can be one as well, where you come in and you think you can cut off some of these expenses or bring something in house. Um, I, th I think there's just a lot of different, you know, adding parking fees, stuff like that, where, you know, it could be, could be managed better. Maybe the previous management wasn't managing it well, and there's a rough tenant base in there and you're going to come in and turn it around. Um, and that could be your value add component that's going to attract a better tenant, ultimately leading to, you know, higher rents down the road. One thing, you know, so I think you just get, really got to look at it. I think it depends on depends on the asset class, depends on the location. Everything is a factor, but that's where I think you can get creative and come up with ideas to to add value. Because at the end of the day, with you know commercial, it's all about it's all about the NOI, and that's that's all on, that all really falls on the operator. Yep. Um, so I think that that's kind of the way you have to look at it is have have an open mind, and yeah, there's there's those easy ones you can pick off when it comes to value add, but also think outside the box um, and see if you can come up with anything creative. Yep. No, I'm, and I like that. Let's uh, let's dive a little bit deeper. I mean, you talk the, the main buckets you already went over, you got to increase the rent, decrease expenses, and then maybe add ancillary income um, from other revenue sources. So let's start with the other income. Um, what, what do you guys look, what are the opportunities that you see when you look at a multifamily that can increase the revenue without increasing the rent of the property itself or of the units itself? Yeah, I mean, so like parking, um, you, you could add, you could, you could increase the rents on parking if you know we, we came in and they were charging fifteen dollars a month for underground parking, and the property down the street's charging thirty bucks for underground parking. You know, increase increase that. Um, we're looking at right. We haven't fully executed on this yet, but adding vending machines into some of our properties. I don't necessarily know how profitable it's going to be, but it's something. I mean, every dollar is, you know, you, you divide that out by the cap rate, and that's instant value there. So um, stuff like that, we've implemented uh, move-in fees. So instead of, instead of taking, you know, a whole security deposit, we divided it into a move-in fee. Um, renter's insurance. So no, no, if you don't have, they don't have renter's insurance, we charge them $15 a month. Um, trying to think, I mean, yeah, I, th I think, I think those, those really are, are the main ones. Um, we're looking at opportunities to lease out roof space uh, for new 5G network, you know, cables that, that are going to go in. So just just really, there's there's just so many different ways that ways to add in different fees. But like you said, you want to be careful. You don't want to just start. You know, you can't just tack on fee after fee after fee because all of a sudden, you know, it's five hundred bucks a month for rent, but five hundred dollars in fees a month. You know, they're, they're not at the end of the day for the tenant. The biggest thing is you can get creative with how you structure it and how how it looks on the surface. But at the end of the day, that all they care about is how much money's coming out of my account each month. Yep. I well, and that's why I kind of like I like that you guys focus on that because. Um, you know, increasing the rents, you know, it's very do doable, especially if you're far below market, but you have to think that does hit the pocketbooks of your tenants, of the people that you're, you're serving. Um, and so if you can find these other ways of increasing the NOI for your property, uh, that, I mean, that doesn't hit the, the pocketbooks of your tenants directly in the term of a rent. Um, I mean, in my opinion, that, that is, that's an easy win there. Um, especially when you're talking about leasing out roof space, that is one I have not heard. Um, you're talking about leasing, leasing out roof space for maybe an antenna for a 5G network or anything like that. Yeah, we so we have it. I can't I can't speak from experience on that one. We we've, we've tried to. There, there's companies out there that will kind of just do the whole process for you, but I've, I've heard of other people doing it. Um, I haven't. None of our properties are in the right location. I think right now they're just 
I think you might have to be in kind of more major metro areas where, you know, I don't even really know what the criteria they're looking for is, but I've heard of people doing it. And I mean, it seems like an easy way to boost income. So it's worth a shot to see if, you know, your property is in the right location. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's go on to expenses, reducing expenses. If you're seeing something with a, you know, an operating expense ratio of like 60%, you know, there's opportunity there to, to reduce the expenses. What are the big things you guys look at when you're, when you're looking at a multifamily that maybe has a high OPEX? Yeah, I think, um, the, the, so, I mean, really just kind of look a good one to look at is contracts. Um, you know, if you see, if you see the trash or the cleaning contract is, you know, X dollars per month. Um, and you know, from experience that, you know, you have a different property, the similar size and trash is only this month per month. That could be a way, you know, you shave off, shave off a little bit of money each month. Um, it could be the form of management. Maybe, maybe the, the previous owner was paying a seven, 8% management fee and you know, your property manager will do it for 5%. Um, maybe you can cut back hours on an on-site staff, um, you know, and, and manage more efficiently through technologies, through outsourcing with, you know, a virtual assistant. Maybe you can you can implement some technologies that don't need to necessarily be done on on, on site. And property manager only is on site twenty hours a week, and all the other tasks are done through a virtual you know virtual assistant overseas, and you're paying them for five dollars an hour instead. So just I think kind of looking at I will say though um, from from experience too that don't get too carried away with it's a strategy to cut expenses, but don't necessarily think that if it's a sixty percent. Um, you know, expense ratio that two months after you buy this property, you're going to cut that thing down to 50% and there's going to be no, no changes and you'll be good. All you got to do is just, you know, shave here and shave there. If you're going, if, if that's your strategy of, you know, I'm, I can decrease expenses by 10% um, and that that's my value add strategy on your performa, performa it out over several years. Don't, don't just come in and think day one, I'm going to, I'm going to cut this person 20 hours, cut this, cut this. And there's going to be no effect to the property. You really, that sort of stuff, it really takes some time, at least plan for it. Maybe you will actually do it in two months, but assume this scenario that it's going to take you at least a couple of years to get down to that expense ratio, because you'll thank yourself when you get in there and you find out, you know, this or that, this or that. And all of a sudden your expense ratio is the same as it was before or even higher. Yep. Yep. No, that's uh, that is good advice. Although, uh, we just had a mobile home park out here. Um, the expense ratio was absurd. It was like 70% OPEX. And uh, the, their main issue was they had underground water leaks. Super easy fix. The the bill went from forty thousand to like the water bill went from forty thousand a year um, to I mean we're we're projecting it out now, but we reduced the cost by about seventy five percent. So that'll reduce the opex just nice. in that alone by a huge amount. So there are good opportunities out there if you can find them. But I do agree that if you're if you're reducing operating expenses, you do gotta amortize it over a few a few years um, to be safe. Um, so now we're going on to the last one and this is increasing rents. This is a hard one. Um, I mean, especially if you're, I mean, if you have a full occupancy, if you have hundred percent occupancy in a, in a large multifamily and your strategy is to increase rents, it always stirs up some resentment from with the tenants. Um, so how do you guys go about doing that? most effectively say you find a property that the um, the market rents are 300 it's at 200 right now how do you go about getting up to market when you purchase the property itself yeah i think our, our approach on it has been to you know up rents obviously obviously you gotta you know if they have a lease if they have a lease you can't up until the lease is expired but if it's if it's a tenant that's you know real tenant that's been there a long time, look at their history. If you buy a property and there's been a tenant that's been in there for six years and they're you know they're paying this amount of dollars, it's almost not worth it to me to go in and 
jack their rent up, you know, right, right when it expires because you could risk losing a good tenant. I think you also, while, while you want to be aggressive with getting the rents up and getting the NOI up, you have to, you can't forget that, you know, the, the tenants really make the property. That That's really what's going to, you know, having that money coming in and then a reliable tenant is worth a lot more than $100 more per month at the end of the day. Uh, they'll keep the property clean and safe. So I think you kind of have to weigh that factor in as well. And there's been, you know, times where we, you know, there'll be certain tenants where we'll, you know, they've been there for a long time. So we're not increase the rent as quickly. But on the other hand, if you're gonna if you're gonna increase the rents, if it's, it's a lot easier, right? When a tenant vacates and then you're just looking for a new tenant because you don't have to deal with, oh, my rent used to be this, so now it's this. Um, if they are gonna renew their lease and you want to increase the rents, I think you really just have to highlight the facts of you might go in there and obviously, you know, 99% of the time, if you're gonna increase rents, you're gonna do some sort of improvements to the to the unit. So maybe you're coming in and said, hey, you know, I know we're gonna increase your rent $200 a month, but Look at this. We're putting in new floors. We're gonna replace your fixtures. Get some nice, you know, nice lights in here. We'll do this and that. Get you a new fridge. And all of a sudden, they're they're more okay with it. And it, you know, it could be a little bit of a negotiation. Maybe they say, you know, I'm only willing to do 100, 150. Um, and at the end of the day, you have to make the decision. Well, if they're not willing to budget all on rent, and you want to get these rents up, then maybe you just, you know, you look for a new tenant because releases up anyways. So I think it's kind of a uh, a balancing act we have to kind of weigh the risk and reward um as to you know losing that tenant or having to find a new one yep and i like that i like that you put loyalty over maximum um maximum revenue i am 100 percent in the same boat keeping somebody around who's been there a long time i mean they've already proven themselves they are a loyal tenant they're there for the long haul um and it's much more valuable to have them than to squeeze a few more dollars out of that and it's uh i mean it just it improves the relationship with the tenant so love that you said that um, and with that said, we have blown through our time. So I got to push you into the quick question round. You ready? I'm ready. All right. It's always starts out with books because I'm a big bookie. So why don't you give us two book recommendations, one for, uh, your favorite life wisdom book and the other one for real estate. Um, life wisdom. I, I like the, uh, the 10 X rule by Grant Cardone. I think that's a good, good mindset. Think big type book. Um, real estate. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that's not probably might not have been I've said before, but I can't think of one off the top of my mind. I know I got a whole bunch of that bookshelf and I'm bad at remembering names. I'm going to go with probably one everyone else says, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. That's been said probably 50% of the times people say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I love it. No, it just goes to show that that book has impacted many people. So uh, if you haven't read it yet, go get it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It is, uh, it doesn't give you a lot of tactics but it gives you a good motivation, a good reason to start investing in real estate. So good book, definitely. Um, Going on, and this one is for your younger self. So if you could go back to the Brock who had no experience in real estate, go up to him, shake his hand, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. It would have been to just start learning about real estate at a you know earlier age. Just start maybe reading books, you know, back back when I was in college. Maybe just you know started have started the process of education earlier. Um, and, you know, just start meeting people in the industry, networking and just really building that base of education. Cause I think that that's a hurdle you kind of have to, when you first get started real estate, it's going to take at least, you know, a year to really build a solid education to go out and, and start doing, you know, larger deals. So if I could have started that process earlier, I'd say that that's what it'd be. Yep. Yep. I love it. Um, this is an opportunity for you to flex a little bit, brag. Um, what is your superpower? What are you absolutely good at? Uh, amazing at? Um, I'd say anything relating to being uh, analytical. So that's why the underwriting kind of naturally was a fit for me. I like doing stuff behind a computer. So anything that comes with building spreadsheets or creating systems, 
that's that's what I like to do. <laughs> cool, I love it. And here you are on a podcast doing the doing the other <laughs> other things in real estate. Um, all right, and then for your places, so where are you really excited to invest in right now? I'm excited to continue to build our our uh, our portfolio here in, in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. Um, so I partner as an in-house property management company. So that's been nice as we're kind of able to plug into a vertically integrated system. So just continuing to, you know, grow here and build, build connections here with, with some of the players and, and yeah, for now that, that's, that's the goal. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. People always ask, you know, where, where should I be investing? Where should, you know, in the United States, where should I be investing? I always say, just invest in your backyard. You know, the people there, you have most connections, you're most familiar with the, the, the area itself, with the values of properties. There's always value. It doesn't matter what location you're in. I mean, that's not exactly true. There are some bad markets, but generally every market is going to have some upside. So invest in your backyard. That's the best location you can be at. Um, And then on to the last question. This one's for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice so far. So how can people reach out and get in contact with you? Yeah, so we have a we have a website. um, That's www.smartassetcapital.com. Um, I have a few ebooks on there and different stuff relating to asset management, underwriting, a few other one-off topics, um, as well as um, and if, if 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 you if you punch in on the form there, that will go directly to my email, so I can respond to that. Um, also on social media, um, try to try to post a lot of real estate content there um, on Instagram at, at Brock Mogensen, first and last name. I'm trying to be active there too for educational stuff. Perfect. Well, hey, Brock, thank you. Uh, thanks very much for showing up on the show. I had a pleasure talking with you today. You as well, Gabe. Awesome. And for everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason that we do this. So we appreciate having you here. As always, if you have any questions, reach out to the Real Estate Investing Club at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic weekend. Week. Sorry. Actually, it is weekend. We're, we're on Friday right now. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can go home with and apply to your own investing business. Before you go, I have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to take your business to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on the website. This ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find a deal that's actually a deal, how to finance that deal with little to no money down, and how to exit a deal for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I'm going to bury you in bonuses, seven of them to be exact. First, you'll get the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating real wealth in real estate. Then you'll get the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools and systems and even the vendors we use to grow our business. After that, you will get the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which will give you the exact keywords we use to target leads online and generate leads without having to lift a finger. Next, you'll get the contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all of the contracts we use in the field to execute all types of transactions. 
After that, you'll get the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. Next up, we'll give you the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And finally, you will get the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. I know that is a ton of things to say. I'm glad you were able to stick with it. Uh, so you'll get both the ebook and all of those seven free bonuses when you download the ebook today. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you are interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page and take advantage of that deal. With that housekeeping item covered, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.